Hi, this is Marcus, and I just want to welcome you to the Timbers Church Podcast. We're excited that you're here. One of the things that we aim to do is to add some value to your life, to your family, to our community, and our world. We do so by exploring the truths that come from God's Word. So start the journey with us and hit subscribe and check out this podcast every week. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hey, Timbers family, how are you doing? Now, as you know, because you've been tuning in every single week, we've been doing a series that we've been calling what? I didn't hear it. (laughs) No, we've been calling it the comparison trap. The comparison trap, and this is part three of that series. So if you are going to take notes today, right up at the top, right? Comparison trap, part three, okay? And then get out your Bibles and you can open them up to Matthew chapter 25. We'll be there in just a second. Now, if you missed part one or part two of the talks that we gave in this series, you can hop over to Spotify or YouTube in order to catch the full talks there. But basically part one, we sort of set everything up by sort of explaining that we all have this internal part of us. It's just a, a natural habit to sort of look at the right and left and sort of compare ourselves to other people. Now, we set up the bottom line that sort of went throughout the whole series. And the bottom line was this in part one. It was that there is no win in comparison. That's right. No win. No win to compare yourself. It's just a trap. And it's a trap that we need to fight against. Okay. Now, part two, last week, we noticed how God has actually something to say about this. Right. And we we saw how, yeah, we're tempted to look to the right and the left. But if you want to know where you stand amongst the scale and how you measure up and if you're okay, you, you better look at the one who made you. Right. That's where you want to look. You want to look to him. If you don't, you're always going to find out you're yourself a little bit stressed out because you just don't measure up. You're going to always be looking, yeah, I got to climb that mountain. And then you get down up that mountain and you just realize there's another one to climb and another one to climb. You're just constantly going around and around and around and there's no peace in that, right? Peace comes when we see ourselves through the creator's eyes. Remember, he is the one who is looking to adopt you into his family, okay? And so that's uh, what we talked about last week. Now, if you have your Bible, you can open it up up to Matthew chapter 25. That's where we're going to be unpacking a full story here that Jesus told. Okay. But just to kick things off, we're just going to be looking at one verse. Okay. One simple verse. And then we're going to unpack the whole story a little bit later on. It says this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 29, it says, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. Let's pray. God, we want to invite you into this message to speak clearly to us. We pray, Father God, that you open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, and open our minds that we might understand, and then soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive everything that you speak, and then give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak into action, because God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers. Help us as Timbers Church to be your church. And everybody said, no matter where you're watching this morning, amen and amen. Now, that verse that we just read, okay, it came from a parable that Jesus was actually telling. And if you're wondering what a parable is, a parable is actually a made-up story, so it's not real life, okay? It's a story that was told with a purpose to teach something. And Jesus did this a lot, okay? He told these stories, fictional stories, in order to teach a lesson. 
And the why behind the parable that he told always usually had a meaning. And many times after he told, he would explain the meaning, right? He would tell everybody, this is what I meant by that story. But then sometimes Jesus would tell a story. And then when it came to the the time that the story came to a close, he would just sort of like walk off and you're left sitting there sort of scratching your head. Okay, Jesus, what was that all about, right? But even in those moments, what we find is later on when he had just his inner circle with him, the disciples, he would begin to ask the disciples what the story actually meant. What did that story mean? And if they didn't get it right, then Jesus would take the time to explain the story to them. Okay. Now, one of the things that we begin to notice when Jesus tells these fictional stories is that he often would start them with saying the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of God is like. That's the way a lot of these stories would begin, because parables were always used in a way to sort of help us here on earth understand what was happening in the heavenly realms, how God functions, how God works, because that's ultimately what we want to know, right, is how this God that created all of this is thinking, and what is he up to, and how does he work, and all those kind of things. So the parable that we're unpacking today is one such parable, okay? And Jesus uses this story to teach us something that will actually help us actually get out of this comparison trap that we oftentimes fall into. Now, the parable that we're telling today is the parable of the talents, the parable of the talents. Now, a talent is just a measure of money, okay? So the story begins in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It says this, it says, again, again, it is it being the kingdom of heaven, okay, because he's already told a few others and he began those with the kingdom of heaven. So again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Stop right there. What do we see here? All right, what do we have? We have a guy who has a lot of money, okay, a guy who is very wealthy and he's getting ready to go out of town. But before he goes out of town, what does he do? He allows his servants to come and he gives his servants things to manage while he is gone. Now, notice that he did not give the servants these things for them to keep for themselves. Okay, it wasn't like, here you go. Enjoy it. This is all yours. Okay, no, he was like, this is still mine, but I'm going to give you this and I'm going to let you manage my wealth. Okay, and then we see in verse 15, we say we see it says, this. It says, to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So this is sort of like your boss or your manager. A good boss or a good manager does this, right? He's going to look around at everybody that works for him, and he's going to sort of see where what they're capable of handling, right? So he's looking at his servants, and he's like, ah, okay, like, what can I give these guys? And, and he can tell that each servant has a different skill that they sort of bring to the table, and each one has a different, different ability that he thinks, you know, so he's just sort of thinking through his head. So the first one, he's sitting there, and he's like, man, you know, they've been with me for a long time. And if there's anything that they have proven, they've proven that they're faithful, that they're trustworthy. They always go above and beyond. I ask this amount of them and they give me this amount. And it's like, yeah, that guy, man, I think I'm going to give him some talents. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give him five. I'm going to give him five bags of gold. Why? Because I have decided that he can manage a lot, right? And so 
I think that the odds are in my favor that he'll do good with that. And so he gives that guy five bags of gold. Then he moves on. He's looking around. He sees the second guy and he sees the second guy and the second guy, like he's a little bit younger, hasn't been with him as long. Right. But even this guy, he's been doing a really good job as short of a time that he's been with this, this, this master. Like he's like, man, he's really proving himself. And I think that he's going to be trustworthy and faithful, just like this other servant. But you know what? Like, because he's a little bit younger and hasn't been with me as long, I think I'm going to, I'm going to give him two bags of gold, which is still quite a bit. And we'll see what he can do. All right. And then you get to this last guy, right? The last guy, he looks at this last guy and, and you know, the story you saw, it, you know, like it, it doesn't work out as good for him. Right. He only gets one bag of gold, you know, you know, you're looking around and you're like, Oh, what am I going to do with him? <laughs> you know, like, well, I haven't fired him yet. So I guess I have to give him something to do. Right. And so I'm just going to give him one bag and hopefully cross my fingers he doesn't lose that right and we don't know his full story of why that happened but he got one bag right so anyhow jesus continues on look at ver the rest of verse 15 here it says then he went on his journey verse 16 17 and 18 the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more Verse 17, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Stop there. Imagine if you were in the audience that day listening to Jesus like tell this story. You're listening and you're like, man, this is like sounding really great for guy one, guy two, and you get to guy three and you're just like, urch, <laughs> not going to be good, buddy. You know, like that's not going to be good for you. Like you can just sort of tell where the story is sort of drifting, right? We don't know why this guy did what he did. Maybe he was lazy. Maybe he felt like one bag just wasn't really enough for him to do anything with. And, and so we don't know why he did this, but for some reason he goes off and he just sort of buried the money. But Jesus continues on in the story in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In other words, you're awesome. Bravo, right? You did a great job. You were faithful. You were trustworthy. You proved me right. I knew you could manage five bags and you have literally doubled that. I am I am beyond excited for you, and I now want you to come and you to take part in my happiness, in what I have. I'm going to give you some good things, right? And so this is this is sort of a great thing for this guy. And then we get to guy two in verse 22. It says, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, and, and see, I've gained two more as well. 23, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
So in other words here, he's saying the same thing. You are a rock star. Well done. I might have started you with something that wasn't really that much. You just got the two bags. But even though it was small, even though it wasn't a lot, I am so proud of what you did with it. You're, you're keeping the ball moving forward. You're proving what I thought about you, that you were going to do much. You were going to have so much more than just two bags. You're going to be able to be trusted with many things in the future. Just stay with me and see some of the things that you're going to get experience as we go on, right? And so it's worked out great for guy one, guy two, but now in the story, if we were watching a movie, this is where the soundtrack does the, er, it changes, right? Because you can tell something is about to happen, right? And so all of a sudden the music sort of changes and it sort of goes a little bit and you're sort of feeling the tension because finally we're getting to the last guy that buried the money, okay? What's going to happen to him? Verse 24. It says, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Stop there. Notice something. This guy, before he even starts talking about the money that was given to him, notice what he does. He starts right away by talking turning it around and blaming the master. I just want you to know that this is kind of all your fault because you're a hard man, right? Keep reading. Verse 25. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So basically what this guy is saying here is he is like, man, I know you're a winner. I know that you're a take it all kind of guy that, that you don't like losing too much. And so I was afraid to lose this money and I just had to make sure that I got you all that money back. And so I just went and buried it. And anybody in my situation would have probably done the same thing because of who you are, right? And you can imagine how the master felt by this. He wasn't happy about it. The master replied in verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. Right? So when the, when the master says you wicked or lazy servant, the Greek word there for wicked can actually be translated as worthless, which makes sense here because he's not mad at the servant because the servant did something bad. Like he wasn't, it wasn't like he stole from him, right? He got all the money back, but he's mad because the man did nothing with it. He did nothing with what was given to him, right? And then you see that, that he's like, but you even knew who I am, that I am a businessman that's a hard-driven businessman. Like, I just don't just fly at the seat of my pants. Like, I have a plan. I work it. I work it hard. You know who I am. And you did nothing. The master continues, verse 28. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Stop there because that doesn't sound fair, right? I mean, if you stop and think about this, this does not seem fair. I mean, we, we, we're sitting here and we're like, this master is a good master and, and everything. But like, I mean, both the guy with five bags and the guy with 
two bags, both doubled their, what they had. So why are you taking the bag from the one and giving it to, why don't you divide that bag amongst the two that did well, right? Because even though this master was a good guy, he also knew where he could get the biggest bang for his buck, right? He knew who he could rely on the most, which, which brings the point of the parable. What the, what, what we want to see is, is, is this very next verse, verse 29, that we kicked everything off with. This is sort of the bottom line of the whole thing. It says, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. Ouch, right? But that's the truth. If you keep on reading here, you begin to see things keep getting clearer because it goes, it gets a little bit darker. It goes and it says, and throw the worthless servant out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. Can you say ouch with me? I mean, that stings, right? But see, as you keep reading, the things keep getting clearer and clearer and clearer. Why? Because what we have been entrusted to is so much more important than what these guys, these servants, were entrusted with. What you and I have been entrusted to is so much more important. Jesus is making a point here in the parable, and he's saying no matter what you have been given in life, you need to do something with it. You need to do something with it. This is how the kingdom of God actually operates. God cares what you are doing with what he has entrusted to you. So, Let's try to make this a little bit more personable for our lives, right? Let's take an inventory of everything that God has given us. I know, really. Like, you can write it down in your notes. I want you to take some time to do this, right? What has God given you? Write it out. He's given you probably your health. That, right? Maybe he's given you a house. Maybe he's given you a spouse. Maybe he's given you some kids. Maybe you have a job, right? Maybe you have a little bit of money in your bank account. These are all things that have been given to you by God. You could keep going and going and going with this list. And I encourage you to do so, to take some time to take an account of what God has entrusted to you. Because really, if you think about this, what all do you have when you, when you line that up? These are the things that make you you, right? And these are the things that God has entrusted to you. And so every single one of us, when we stop and think about it, we all have been given some talents and some skills in life. And no one is going to go through life with nothing. So all of us have been given exactly what God intended us to have for this season of life. And he's entrusting it to you with a purpose to do something, to do something with it. It is crazy when you think of it that way. What you have been entrusted with, what you have been entrusted, what, what has been entrusted to you, you like some of it. You're like, man, that's awesome. I'm so glad that I have this in my life. And then there's other parts of your life where you're like, I don't know if I really like that part of my life, right? But what Jesus is saying here is all those parts make up who you are. So, what you have is not nearly as important as what you do with what you have. So when Jesus taught this parable to everybody that was listening, he was making a statement which was, if you say yes to following me, you need to understand everything in your life 
needs to be used by God. Every single thing that runs through your fingers can and should be used for God. Because even that past that maybe you're ashamed of, you run it through the filter of God's love and God's grace, and that past can still be used for his good. See, God has a plan for all parts of your life. He has next steps for you to take. So it is a waste of your time to sit there and complain about all the things that you don't have. Because what you have is actually plenty. You've been given an opportunity to do something amazing in your life. All throughout this book, throughout the Bible, you see this idea of being accountable for our lives to God. It's all throughout this book. So, so I, I sure, personally, I do not want to be the one that gives an account for my life someday to God and say, you know, God, if you had only given me a little bit more, then I would have, right? I don't want to be that guy. Instead, I want to be the guy that's giving account for his life to God and saying, hey, God, guess what? Here's what you gave me, right? Here's what you gave me and here's what I did with it. I want excitement. And even if it's a little that God has given me, I want to use it to use it to the fullness that I possibly can. See, the truth is that every single day, I still get tempted to look over there and look at everybody else and, 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 and wish that I had a little bit more. But when I fall into that temptation, the comparison trap, when I fall for that, I'm acting a lot more like the guy who received one bag of gold. I'm basically sitting there and saying, God, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. You, you could have given me a little bit more, but you didn't. And because of that, there's not really that much I can do for you, right? I don't want to be that guy. But after reading Jesus's story here, I can see this is not how my story is supposed to be told. It's not how the kingdom of God is supposed to work. I don't want to be a guy with my arms crossed, refusing to do anything simply because I haven't got a lot, right? Because the truth of the matter is I got more than enough to do. So what should we do with this, right? I think that what we do with this is we stop falling into the comparison trap and we start celebrating other people's lives and celebrating what other people have, celebrating their talents, their gifts, their, their things, right? We celebrate what God has given them to use. We lift them up. We cheer them on. We encourage them. We motivate them. And, and we, 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 we say, get out there and, and use it for his love and for his good works, right? We don't celebrate. We don't. We don't celebrate others when we fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to them. Instead, we're pulling people down. We're trying to push ourselves forward. And remember, there's no win in comparison. But there is a big, 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 big win when we live every single day of our lives exactly the way that God created us to live, on purpose, engaged with His work. See, God is calling you to be a part of what he is doing. And he has uniquely qualified you for something very, very, very special. There are people that only you will be able to reach because of what you've experienced in your past, because of what you are experiencing right now. Okay? So maybe you're listening here today and it is your past that has actually held you up from coming back to Jesus. 
But today you're learning that he can use that past for his good, right? If you're feeling a pull on your heart to turn your life towards Jesus, I want to encourage you to make today the day that you say yes to him. So if that's you and you would like to make today that day, will you just say this simple little prayer with me? Say, God, I see you now. Please forgive me of my past sins. Please come into my life. Lead me. Show me my next steps. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Now for all of us, every single one of us, I want you to think about what could happen in your workplace and in your neighborhoods if you began acting on this idea that we talked about here today. Imagine the impact it could have on the people's lives that are surrounding you right now. You're done with comparing yourself to them and you're moving on to what God has called you to do. It isn't easy to walk this out, I'm being honest, but it is so important that we do the best that we can with what God has entrusted to us. So as we close today, I want to give you a little cue, an action step that you can put into action this week. I want you to begin to ask God to help you be absolutely committed to using everything that he has put in your life for his glory. That's my cue. Ask God to help you be absolutely committed to using everything he has put in your life for his glory. This is actually how the kingdom of God is supposed to work. And this is also a way to keep you from falling into the comparison trap, which means that you will be living a life full of peace. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've lined out so many things in the scriptures. And as we think of this story and we think of all the things that you've entrusted to us, we say first, thank you. Thank you for giving of us all these things. But now, Lord, as we look at what you've given us, Lord, we pray, Father, for the strength and the courage to begin to use it and use it well. That we don't just use it for our own ability. That we don't just use it for our own fun. That we don't just go bury it someplace. But instead, Lord, we engage. We engage with the mission that you've put in front of us. I pray that you'll help all of us, every single one of us that has watched this message today, to take part in that. I pray that in Jesus' mighty powerful name, and everybody said, amen and amen.